Welcome to Revelation Warning, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Robert Thibodeau as he interviews prophecy experts from around the world as we discuss current events in relation to Bible prophecy. All of this is to give the world a final Revelation Warning. Now, here is your host with this week's guest, Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Revelation Warning Podcast. We are so blessed that you're joining us here today. You know, there are times in our life when basically things don't go as planned. I know. I've experienced several over my life. You know, my first love was the military. Then it was gone. And I blame God for allowing it to happen. You know, I had my plans all laid out. You know, unexpected turns and, you know, couple that with my attitude, I now can admit that, destroyed those plans. Then it was business. Then it was gone. The difference this time, though, I was born again, so I didn't blame God. I blamed others. Then it was law enforcement. Then it was gone. But this time, I was born again, called, ordained into the ministry. I was even a chaplain for our department's FOP for several years. And I was, as I was seeing the handwriting on the wall of what was going on in my life, I prayed, I sought the Lord, and in the process, received the peace that passes all understanding. So when the transition time came, this time I was ready to just accept what the Lord had, and I was ready to step into my calling. Well, my guest today has gone through similar experiences. Joel Williams was raised in a Christian home, attended church faithfully as his parents were active participants in the church. Same for me. At age 16, he decided enough was enough. He believed he was saved and figured he could just go it alone now. Same thing for me at age 16 as well. Well, needless to say, his life was not one of sunshine and roses. But I'll let him share all about that and how he ended up here with us today. Amen. Joel Williams is the founder of The Last Christian Podcast, The Bible Versus the World in Prophecy. He's also preparing to have his own radio program, with us on Evangelism Radio at evangelismradio.com as well. Help me welcome to the program, Joel Williams. Joel, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to join us on the program today. I do appreciate it. Well, thank you, Brother Bob, and I really do appreciate the opportunity uh, to come on and and be a part of this. I'm I'm very blessed, very blessed to be here and, and to be on this mission. Amen. Amen. Now, other than that brief information I just shared, the first question I always start with is, can you share with us in your own words, who is Joel Williams? Well, Joel Williams is a person that was saved to be saved. And let me explain that, because this is a very important thing in my life. Uh, as you said, I walked away from the church, actually went to a church. I haven't shared this before. I actually went to the church that we attended from the time I was probably five years old. I walked up to a minister whose secretary had called my folks and told them that I was hanging out with the wrong people. And I went into that church office and I said, you take my name off the rolls. Mm. You take me, I, have, I don't want to have anything to do with this because of what you've said. Of course, now what they heard was absolutely true. But I wasn't willing to hear that. I wanted to get out and I left. I left the church. Now, I still call myself a Christian. I was baptized. I still call myself a Christian. But I was far from it and we can talk about that. But... Uh, I went to Galveston with my wife on vacation. 
I can't swim a lick, Bob. Not one bit. Okay, but uh, when uh, Galveston had the the uh, the water's probably a foot, uh, maybe a foot and a half uh, for maybe 50, 60, 70 yards out into the ocean. And uh, Mr. Overconfident Joel got out there doing the only thing he knew how to do is in the water, on, on, floating on his back. And did that for a couple of days and got really overconfident. And final day we were there, long story short, I ended up about 200 feet or more from the shore all by myself, Atlantic Ocean, Gulf of Mexico, and reached down with my foot and couldn't touch the bottom and went into a panic. Now, had I gone into my normal panic, I wouldn't be talking to you today. But there was a voice. I'm not saying audible, but there was a voice that said, you got out there by yourself. You can get back. And for the first time in my life, the panic didn't kick in. I was saved to be saved because I made it back to shore and that started the journey that started me on my way to Christ and on on my, on my way to this mission. So uh, that's just a kickoff for you. Amen. Now, you know, your parents raised you basically in the church as my grandparents did. I was raised by my grandparents. And at the same time, you know, I, at about the same age, I may have, I may have actually been 50. It's either 15 or 60. I don't really remember right now, but you know, you decide you had enough of church as right. I did, but other than, you know, leaving the church, you still believed you were saved. You just, oh, I was confident. part of that church anymore. Right. I, I was, I was absolutely, yeah. yeah, I was, I was, uh, anybody could have asked me and yes, I'm definitely a Christian. I, I knew enough about the Bible to be able to sort of prove that. But uh, my life was far from that. I, uh, I didn't care. Uh, I loved my life. I was doing good. I was making good money. Uh, you know, I had a job I really loved in the, in the airline yeah, you industry. You for American Airlines. Right, right. For, right, for a long yeah. time. For a long, long time. Yeah, many, many years. Yeah. Uh, tell tell and, us about your life during that period of your life. Well, my life was the airlines. My life was, uh, you're going to ascend all the way and you're going to be the president and chief executive officer of American Airlines. And that's from starting on the ramp, uh, loading, loading people's bags. But as a ramp agent, I went and stood behind a ticket agent and learned how to use a computer. And I went, uh, I worked my way up again, not caring who I stepped on. And I made it to the point where I was a station manager and a regional manager and in, in the uh, corporate offices of American Airlines. I was plugged into different cities that were in trouble. I went in and I fired people left and right. It almost gave me a joy to do it in order to uh, make a station better. Uh, and like I said, I was making good money. Everything was, everything was awesome. But the thing is, is that it took me away from my family. My family took second place, if that high. I don't even know that they were that high on the list. Yeah. And uh, it cost me a it, it cost me a marriage. It cost me uh, three beautiful kids. Uh, but yeah. my my life was beautiful as far as I was concerned. I, I was living the good life, and I loved every minute of it. Were you, Were you chasing money to prove your success, or chasing success to pursue money? Both. Uh, you know, I I knew I was good at what I did, and I wanted to make as much money as I could possibly make. And the only way to make that money was to keep going up, mm-hmm. finding that next job 
and uh, never had a problem doing it. I, again, I didn't have a problem uh, stepping on somebody in order to do it, take credit for something that wasn't mine or whatever. It, it didn't matter. It right. did not right. matter. But I can tell you this, God wasn't in my life. Oh, right. Not a drop. There was, Although you there thought was. he was. Yeah, you know, and, you know, if I really needed something, I'd pray, you know, and then expect it to happen. Uh, but uh, as far as daily prayer, reading the Bible, getting into the Word, going to church, oh, yeah. none of that, none of that for you more know, than 40 years. You know, we talk about our similarities and stuff. When I was in the military, you know, that was all I ever wanted to do since I was 14 years old. And, uh, you know, when I got married at age 19, had two kids by the time I was 20. And, uh, you know, so, but the military was still my first love. Have you heard me as you, as we said, mm -hmm. the opening and, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many birthdays, anniversaries, you know, special events and stuff I missed. And, you know, sometimes my wife would complain about, you know, the hours I was dedicating, you know, to the military because right. I was an officer and, and I told her, I mean, this, I, I was flipping about it, but it was 100% honest in my heart. I said, I married the army before I married you. Right. And that was, right. you know, that's just the way it was. Right. And uh, when I got rifted, that, I mean, reduction in force, right? Uh, they, they came out in 1989 and said, you know, we got too many officers. We need to start cutting back. And I was one of the ones on the chopping block. And uh, that just totally destroyed my life. You know, my plans, my goals, my aspirations. No, didn't say anything about God. Mine, 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 mine. Right. right? And, uh, you know, that that was a devastating time for us. And, and through that, you know, I dove into the next job, which was business related and rose to the top in our industry, in our company and, and, you know, had my own office and had, you know, what, three full-time employees, two part-time employees and nine agents. You know, I mean, I was, I was running the show, you know, and it was, it was great. And then the company decided they were going to restructure and I lost all that. You know, and, you know, God is cheap, keep trying to get me in there, you know, right. But, you know, but I'd become an alcoholic and, you know, I mean, our family was, you know, it was just, it was a bad time until January 25th, 1992 at 1135 PM Eastern time at a little empty apartment in Columbus, Georgia, when the Lord, I say, invaded my life. Uh -huh. Wasn't nobody there, but it was just him, you know, <laughs> but what was your family life like at that time? Well, my family life was almost non-existent because I went in at seven o'clock in the morning and, and usually wouldn't come home until after midnight. Mm -hmm. uh, I was fully dedicated to what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned holidays. Uh, I, I can't really remember spending any holidays or any birthdays with the family. Um, holidays are the busiest time of year for the airlines. Mm -hmm. You know, the busiest travel day of the year is right around Thanksgiving. Yeah. And so uh, I had to be there, for, especially when I got into, into management. You had to make sure that things went well. So I missed holidays. I missed birthdays. And you know what? I didn't care right. because I had, I had the, uh, the airline by the tail. You know, and I was gonna, I was gonna be successful. That was my, that was my only, the only thing that really mattered to me, was making sure that my career took off and stayed that way. So, family life, no, it was terrible. It, it was absolutely terrible. Well, why did you leave the airlines? Well, 
I traveled so much. Uh, they were plugging me in and out of cities on a regular basis. Like I said, I, I was called Mr. Fix-It. If there was a station that was, was not performing well, they would plug me into that station, let me go in there, I would clean house, I would do whatever was necessary to make that station perform well. At times, I was running two cities at once, which would mean uh, being uh, waking up in one city, doing some job, a, a little bit of work, uh, then jumping on an airplane, going to another city and do the same thing there, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I lived in hotels more than I lived at home. And it came. there came a time when I finally spoke up and said to my boss uh, back in headquarters, just leave me alone for a year. Let me sit here just for a year. Uh, I'm, I'm tired of the bouncing. And they promised me they would. And within three months, we want you to go to Santa Santa something, California. And I said, no, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go back to Dallas. I'm done. So I walked away. Mm -hmm. Now, looking back on at the time, I thought, you know, okay, I'm just revolting against them. You know, I'm fed up, I'm burned out or whatever. But looking back on it, that was God moving me out of that because the airline industry was not good for me. Not good for me spiritually. So, um that, that's why I left. Amen. So what'd you do then? Well, at that point, I tried to start my own business. Uh, the internet was just really getting started, I guess. And I had an interest in writing books. And so I developed a, a, a book site and actually began to get some, some pretty good response from Amen. it. But... Um, Still, it didn't take off enough that I could live off of it. So I went into car sales. <laughs> I, I worked as, as car salesman uh, selling uh, new cars, and uh, I did that until one day I was sitting at my desk, and my uh, boss that was in the very next uh, little thing for me there said, you don't look very good. And I said, well, I'm not doing well. And that was my last day of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything, my, my body began to just fall apart on me. I, uh, God had other plans for me. He had these plans for me. I didn't know that at the time, but uh, he, he moved me out of that. And yeah. again, that was a good thing because the, air, the, the airline industry was bad for me. The, even the, the, I think the car industry was worse because of the fact that it, it takes so much of your time away from you. Uh, but you also can't be as honest as you would like to be. Yeah, uh, I, and it I, became I too the easy. Same part-time job is. <laughs> not part of it was a full-time job, but I only worked it for a few months. And said, this yeah, is not me. Yeah. So you know, I, I've I've tried a bunch of stuff. You know, I really have, and and uh, I'm, I really want to get into this because it's really important to me. And uh, you know, I just I. When I when I accepted Christ, and I, I want to I want to get, really get into that, but when I accepted Christ, I really felt like I had to do something, but the but the problem was that I was picking what I thought was best. What what happened that led you to that point? of accepting Christ and can you share what happened, how it affected your outlook? Absolutely. Yeah. That? Well, it, it goes back to Galveston. Uh, when that occurred, you have to understand that uh, in my life, anytime that I was around water, I have a tremendous fear of water. If it got up to, to my waist, I would go into panic. I would start 
flailing away like some kind of an idiot and sink to the bottom instantly. And, you know, I've sunk to many, the bottom of many pools and fought my way back, you know, but this was an ocean, you know, if I'd have done that, I, I'm done. But when I got back to shore, the question was, why was it different? What, what happened? What, I mean, if I had done what I had done all of my life, I'd be dead. Why in the world didn't, it, didn't that happen? And that led me, and my, my wife said one day, you know what, I'd like to go to church. Well, bingo, that's exactly what I've been thinking, and I was too embarrassed to say it. So, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and do that. And so we went to church, and it seemed like for the next several weeks that every time that minister got up, he was talking to me. He wasn't talking to anybody else in that church. He was talking to me, and it made a difference. And so, I mean, this wasn't something that was days. This wasn't something that was weeks. This took months and months. Putting that Galveston experience, the, the questions began to get answered. And so one Wednesday night, when my wife was homesick, I went to the pastor and I said, can I speak to you for a minute? And he said, sure. We went to the office and I said, uh, Brother Jim, I... Uh, I got a question. You know, I'm I'm really wondering if I'm if if I'm really saved or not. You know, and uh, he said, "Well, okay, this is pretty easy. Uh, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven?" I didn't want to hear that, brother Bob. I didn't want to hear that because that was my question. Yeah. And at the moment he asked it, and at the moment that I understood what that question was, my question was answered. No, you would not go to heaven. And I got down on my knees in his office at that moment, and I gave my life to Christ. And from that point forward, the only thing that's been on my mind is how I can help, how I could serve, how I could bring someone else to the point of just listening to the message. That's Amen. it. Amen. You know, that reminds me of, of something happened to me. Uh, I had been born again, entered the ministry. I was a, a traveling evangelist. I'd go to different churches and, and I was invited to speak in Coppers Cove, Texas. You know it well. And uh, went down there and, and, you know, I had, you know, was, he said, take as long as you want, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, however. And it, so I'm down there and I'm, I got a great sermon and I'm on fire. I'm just going for it. And I, I'm not <laughs> one to stand behind a pulpit. Okay. I'll walk around and, and I'll walk down the, there's like four or five steps down from the platform. I'm down there preaching and I hear the Lord say, the spirit of the Lord said to me, shut it down and give the invitation. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And they videotape it and you can see me stop. And I'm arguing with God. Like it's only been about 15 minutes. You know, God, you know, I've got a good sermon going here. I'm on a roll, you know, <clears throat> and it said again, shut it down, give the invitation. And on the video, you see me go back up behind the podium and I grab it with both hands. <laughs> and I'm still arguing with God. Uh -huh. I said, uh -huh. but I got a 45-minute sermon here and it's awesome. And it's going to be videotaped. And shut it down. Give the invitation. And then you can see when I finally accept it and I step back and say, Holy Spirit is telling me there's someone here that needs to hear this. So I gave the invitation and one person from the back of the room stood up, 
Well, he's already standing up and walked forward. He mm -hmm. was an elder in the church. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, you know, he accepted the Lord right there and all that. And then he turned around to talk to the crowd. And he said, when it's something that I said during that first 10, 15 minutes, and the Holy Spirit said, this is for you. And he's uh -huh. starting to argue with God sitting back there. Goes, uh -huh. I've been in this church 20 years. Right. You know, and, blah, blah, blah. and the Holy Spirit put that same question as, if you died tonight, would you be with me? And uh -huh. he couldn't answer the question. Well, and, you know, you just you just hit on something that, you know, is near and dear, dear to my heart. Because, uh, uh, you know, I, like I said, I always, always considered myself to be a Christian. I would have told anybody that I was. Yeah. Uh, but at that moment, when I accepted Christ in, in Jim's office that night, now I've got to go in. You know, he said, well, you know, you're going to need to come up on, on Sunday morning, you know, and you're going to need to uh, to make that statement of faith in front of the church. And I said, I don't know if I can do that, Jim. Yeah. And the, all the, I've, I've told these people, you know, the whole time I've been in this church, I'm a Christian. Yeah. You know, how, what is the church going to think of me? I mean, you know, they'll, they'll probably, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose so many friendships people are gonna you know uh, it's it's this isn't good this yeah. is not good you know yeah. and uh he said you'll be fine it'll be yeah. fine don't worry about it yeah. well i mean uh he that next that following sunday morning he said well you ready and i said well no <laughs> not really <laughs> you know i'm still i'm still concerned he said you'll be fine you'll be fine don't worry and and i made that i made that walk down there and you know thinking that i've got you know people's eyes just tearing me apart or whatever right and when i uh, made the profession of faith there and, and or jim announced it to, to the church there was uh, raucous applause yeah. you know and uh, you know that's would, what happened it, here in copper's cove this guy was arguing in the back of the room said god you know i've been here all this time and you know people you know i've ministered to people led them to the lord Right. And he said, how can I go up there like that? And he's arguing with God. At the same time, I'm arguing with God. And he said, okay. Well, absolutely, actually, it was before this because he said, okay, if this is really you, you know, talking to God, he said, if this is really you, I want to do it right now. And he said, about that time, I just stopped right in front of me because that's where the Holy Spirit says, shut it down, give the invitation. You know, and I'm arguing with God. Amen. And he's like, what's going on? You know, and I walked up there and I'm, I'm behind the podium. And I said, someone here needs to receive the Lord right now. The Lord's been talking to you right now. And, and he's like, no way. <laughs> you know? he said, 15 minutes into the sermon, this guy is shutting it down because I asked the Lord yeah. to. You know? So he could, he had no excuse, you know, oh, yeah, and, that... and I obeyed. And that's what resulted in it. Cause I could, I mean, I was arguing with God, God, I got 45 minutes here and this is a great <laughs> sermon and I'm on a roll, you know, and he, he, but that showed me the importance of allowing the Holy spirit to lead the conversation. It's just like yeah. I told you, you know, we just go until the Holy Spirit tells us, okay, shut it that's, down. That's right. That's that, right. That's how I, I run every yeah. interview. It's the same yeah. way, you know. Yeah. And that's how we do it. Well, you know, immediately after immediately after I accepted Christ, like I said, I wanted to do something. I wanted to be involved. And they had a, a, a church meeting, and I was already in the 
uh, on the building and grounds committee. That shows you how much I was into the church already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was there, and uh, they had a Facebook page, but they had never done anything with it. It was basically blank. And I said, you know, well, I'm, I'm fired up. I want to get people to come in here to this church. You know, uh, could, could I take over the Facebook page? And said, sure, you got it. Go and do it. I said, well, okay, well, I'm going to record the sermons then, and I'm going to go ahead and put those out. Well, I didn't realize that you couldn't put something out there. If it, you know, it may be different now, but without a video. And we didn't have a camera, you know. So I was picking little slides and put running the video over the top of the slides. And my, my daughter one day said, well, Dad, have you ever heard of Facebook Live? Mm. No? What's that? Well, uh, long story short, took over the uh, video department. Uh, we had uh, the videos begin to run, and that, that, was, that became my life for the next two years. Uh, Serious. I mean, Monday through Sunday, I, w- I was dedicated to it, you know, Amen. but uh, uh, it's, it's been a growing thing for me. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm inspired to do something, and yeah. when we moved uh, a couple of years ago, that, that was taken away from me, so I had to look for something else, and that's brought me to this, to this point now. Amen. And when all this is going on, you were remarried then? Yes, I, I got remarried, uh, let's see, it's been 21 years now. Amen. Um, my wife, uh, my wife now was also not saved. She followed me uh, and accepting the Lord uh, about six months after after I did, and Praise so uh, very very happy about that. And, uh, two grandkids, uh, one of them uh, accepted the, accepted Christ at eight years old. Uh, the minister said, uh, "Well, you know, I don't really like." You know, Eight-year-olds, you know, it's kind of iffy. And I said, Jim, just talk to him. Just talk to him, okay? I, I promise you. You know, just talk to him. And, and as he did, he kept looking up at me. And after he's finished, he said, I'm astounded. Uh, uh, so he was baptized. The, the, uh, now, two years later, the other one has accepted Christ. So we have a Christian household here, and we're all proud Praise of it. Amen, amen. And, and the Lord's blessed you with being able to start reconnecting with your other children. Uh, That's correct, yes, yes. Uh, Well, like I said, when I was with the airlines, uh, I didn't pay them any attention, and I don't blame them for walking away. I wasn't a a great dad at all. Um, I did reconnect with my daughter. She was very accepting. She was the oldest, and uh, we have established a wonderful relationship. uh, My oldest son uh, is now married, has kids, and we are in the process of reconnecting. The youngest boy was in the military, uh, and he uh, he was uh, stationed in in Iraq and and in Korea as well. Saw some horrific things in Iraq. Had a a, a brother in arms die in his arms, and he suffers from a lot of. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, post-traumatic, PTSD. right? And so he's he's harder to get with. He's he, I, I, he's he's pretty hard, uh, hardened, and I'm working on it. I'm doing I'm doing my best, but you know I'm working on it through through the other kids. You know, uh, apologizing, telling him you know about how I cheated him because I didn't give him the same the, the same type of upbringing that my folks gave me. 
uh, and really ground him in Christ and I, yeah. uh, asking for his forgiveness and for the opportunity to make things right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm waiting. God, uh, you know, I, yeah. I always say God's got three answers, you know, yes, no, and not yet. And right now I've got a not yet, and, uh, but it, it'll come. I, I, have, I have faith in the Lord. Amen. And the Lord's blessed you with being able to raise your two grandchildren now. You know, what are your thoughts on, on having this second chance at child raising? That's exactly what I call it, a second chance. Because the with my children, I did not ground them in Christ. And that is something that's really hard for me to live with. And to have this second chance that the Lord has given me to be able to raise kids the right way in the church— uh, surrounded with the Bible, making sure that they come up the right way and understand the right things. It is a beautiful thing, and I, I, I treasure every single moment. And I, I praise God. I give Him glory. I give Him the thanks for that, because it is truly a second chance. Amen. And, uh, Amen. And with what you shared with me in preparation for today's interview, one of the quotes you said was, the problem was too easy to see. You were deciding your path, not asking the Lord for direction. Can you explain that? Right. Well, as I said, what, what I, I was trying to find a way to serve the Lord. So the very first thing that I did is like, okay, well, I'll set up a, uh, a nonprofit organization. And I will take the, you know, I'll take these donations and I'll send it to, to people, uh, ministries, uh, churches. What, you know, they don't have to be really established or anything. Made some connections in Kenya, you know, people excited down there. Um, and the, within, I'm going to say within a month, two months of the time that I kicked off the nonprofit, and you know, and you know what it takes to 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 begin a nonprofit. This isn't something they just give away, okay? So anyway, I I began to put everything together, and within two months of the time that I went live, and we were just beginning to take in a few dollars, maybe $40, $50, that's it, okay? COVID hit. Mm. And when that happened, you talk about everything just drying up. People were trying to survive. They did not have time for nonprofits, and that went under. Yep. And so I, I was trying anything. I, I tried to, uh, because of my video work, I said, okay, well, I'll come up with a video system for churches. Uh, I know how to do this. I know how to make it really cheap. You know, I, instead of going out and spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars, I can get a church going for five hundred to a thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll sell that. Well, that didn't take off either. And okay, I'm I'm at a loss. What you know? What is it that I'm supposed to do? And then I found podcasting, and here's what led me to podcasting. This little thought popped in my mind: the way things are going in the world. The rapture is teed up. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, we are there. And in my opinion, I, I spend a lot of time in, in the books of, uh, of Isaiah and Ezekiel. And we are teed up. I'm watching things as they unfold. And so the thought that popped in my mind is there's a last one. Somebody on this earth right now is walking around that has not accepted Jesus Christ yet. And when that person accepts Jesus Christ, it is my opinion... I'm not a prophet, 
But that is my opinion that the moment that that person known only to God, let me emphasize that, a person known only to God, when that person accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that person is in for just an incredible experience because they're going to accept Christ. And at the moment they accept Christ, they're going to meet him in the air. Just that quick. There's got to be a last one. You think about it. There has to be a last person to accept Christ before the rapture. And when that occurs, the rapture occurs. That's the premise of the last Christian podcast. And so we are walking people through the book of Ezekiel and trying to compare that with the current events going on and saying, we're close, people. Time is running out. You know, Amen. give it some thought. Amen. What doors have opened for you since starting your podcast? Oh, boy. You? Uh, as, as, <laughs> as, 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 just as one. But the, the thing is, is that um, with everything else I tried, there was not any movement. Nothing. There wasn't any kind of significant progress that, that I could see. And with the podcast, we're getting... Uh, a, a lot of movement all across. Uh, I'm getting tremendous responses. It's been picked up by every major uh, podcasting platform, uh, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, I'm getting a lot of comments, a lot of feedback. Some people want to argue with me about the last Christian concept. That's fine. I love that. Uh, but it's just on a fast track. Yeah. This has never been about money for me. Uh, I'm retired. I've got the time. It's never been about money. It's always been about, can I do something to serve? Can I do something that will cause just one person to think? Just one person. And if just one person thinks, accepts, and goes, I'll never know them, or probably not. But if one person does it, then it's a success for me. And it feels right. Is the, is the most important thing I can tell you, Brother Bob. It Amen. feels right. Amen. And, and that's how, you know, the, I got started, you know, with everything going on in my life and, and you know, the, the injury that I had that ended up in a medical retirement. So my income was taken care of. I didn't have right. to worry about, you know, pulling money from the ministry to live and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, just the fact that I had the time now. Dedicated, you know, it started with me as we shared in our conversation. You know, begin a weekly 30 minute online radio program today. They call it a podcast. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what a podcast was. No, I didn't know the difference between podcast and webcast. Yeah, and Uh so the Lord spoke to me in terminology I could understand. It was your own 30 minute online radio program, and that ended up being picked up, you know, by a, a major Christian radio conglomerate. and and I was on nationwide radio where I learned all the details of running all this stuff. And it was, you know, that was my learning. That was my schooling, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then, you know, having our own radio station and meeting great people like you and, you know, just other broadcasters and, and some major ministries. I've got to meet with them and, and, you know, they're on our radio program or radio station as well. But that led to the podcast. The podcast that we're doing right now actually starts away from me to interview these broadcasters. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then it's grown exponentially since then and has become an integral part of the ministry. But, you know, to, to say that I did this would be completely wrong, you know, uh-huh. because this is something the Lord is using me to do. Because, you know, like my son-in-law, he's our IT guy. And 
if I'm speaking at a church or something, usually he'll go along and, and run the video camera and stuff because we try and record this stuff. And I give him props every chance I can because I tell him this is not really my ministry. You know, if it wasn't for him, none of this would be taken. <laughs> none. And I say, I'm just the voice, you know, behind the, the microphone. But, but believe me, he's the one that you know, when we had technical issues, I explained to you uh, where our pre-conference call, you know, that. You know, it would just have me flabbergasted. Well, it got fixed. And it wasn't <laughs> me that fixed it. You know, I was ready to go buy a new computer and just start all over. <laughs> As I say, you know, it, this is, you know, when the Lord called me to this, you know, if he just showed me 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it is now, that this is what you're going to be doing. Right. I'd have turned around and run the other way. Oh, yeah, me too. There's no way. This this, this was not in my plans uh whatsoever and you know when, when the podcast came along and the way that that developed and then getting in touch with you and then discovering the radio show okay well that branches off and now you know i'm now i'm not an ordained minister i make that very very clear to everybody i'm not an ordained minister i am simply a, a christian on a mission Amen. and so what i did is i teamed with a uh Pastor, uh, he doesn't like to be called a pastor. He likes to be called a, a biblical teacher. But I, you know, I, I teamed with with another guy that will be on this uh, radio show on on Evangelism TV or Evangelism Radio, and and um, we're working on the TV uh, part. It's just yeah, well, good. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I I got a face made for radio, so we're 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 yeah, a little that's, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. Stole my line. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, he he's very good because of the fact that he can call up scripture right away in his in his head and be able to point where I've got to do the Google search. I know I know this is out there. I know it's there, but I'm not exactly sure where it is in the Bible. Well, he can do that. So it it uh, we 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 can play off of each other. Uh, to do the best advantage of a radio uh, show yeah. and uh, be able to to get the message out there right. So Amen. Amen. anyway, that's that's kind of where it's gone. Let me ask you this because we mentioned Ezekiel thirty-eight. You know, I sure. see, I see personally, I see in the spirit Ezekiel thirty-eight beginning to come to pass right now. Oh, absolutely. What, what do you believe will occur first? The I believe Damascus, the destruction the of Damascus. Yes, I am very much. I am very much on the. Well, I think that that is what triggers everything. The way that, it, that the way that things are going right now in Russia, you are seeing, or, or in Ukraine. I'm sorry, is that you are seeing that Russia is doing all this stuff in Ukraine, and what is the world doing? The world is doing absolutely nothing but talking complaining, setting off sanctions. Well, Russia lives on oil, on natural gas, and on coal. And in Israel, Israel has probably the one of the largest, if not the largest, supply of uh, natural gas and oil in the world. They sell it at one-third of the price of anywhere else in the world. And Russia's being cut off. People are not buying Russian oil all of a sudden. And it's going to start hurting their economy. Well, what do they do? How do they fix that? They take care of the competition because Israel is Israel is selling their oil to Egypt, and then Egypt is selling it to the world. Now, when Russia figures all this out, they're going to come calling. Now, I believe that I'm not sure who's going to do it, but I believe that Damascus is next on the agenda. That's the next 
prophetic thing that will happen that when that city is destroyed, the nations around it, no matter who actually did it, are going to blame Israel. And that gives the opportunity for that coalition to come together and to march toward Israel north, east, south, and west in such force that there is no way they can survive. Well, that coalition you're talking about is, I mean, look at it. Russia is linking up with China. Both of them are linking up with Iran. Those are, you know, the army of 200 million from the east. Russia coming from the north and Persia, which is now right. Iran, coming from right. the south. Right. Right. And now they're all teamed up in an alliance. Right. And Iran, Iran is so close to having a nuclear weapon. And, you know, uh, we, we won't get into politics, but, the, right. but the, the, the thing is, is that the way that things are set up right now, there is nothing really standing between Iran and going ahead and completing their mission of getting uh, those nuclear weapons and israel can't let that happen so my overall impression is is that israel is going to do something soon with iran to take care of the possibility of of anything going on uh, with their nuclear weapons and that some way or another uh, you know i'm not a prophet but some way or another they're going to come about the destruction of damascus to uh, fulfill prophecy there the world points at Israel, says, you're the problem. The nations gather together, and the United States sits back and says, you're we right. protest, but you're on your own. Because the Bible says that nobody comes to their, comes to their aid. You know, and, that it, you know, you say, well, some people say, well, the United States isn't going to do that. <clears throat> Let's just look at uh, Afghanistan. Right, Ukraine. <laughs> There's right. two examples, uh, recent well, examples know, in the last year. In the last, in, in the last, uh, let's say six years, there there would have been. Well, I can't say that. Before uh, uh, President Biden came into office, there is no way. There is no way the United States would have sat idly by and let something right. happen to Israel. But I I don't think that this administration or our government right now has the has the stomach for war i don't think that we have the uh i I think that that they want to sit back uh and not take any action and that's exactly what russia needs you know russia's poking right yeah they they know so in in addition to your podcast you know yes we said we're going to be helping you reach the world with the gospel through your own live not pre-recorded but live <laughs> radio program <laughs> right right and we'll be starting that program very very soon and probably at the time of this recording when it's published in fact folks you may be able to catch joel williams on the radio at the time you're listening to this interview right now praise god right, and, and joel, Amen. If i'm not mistaken I think your program will be aired live uh, Tuesday, right. Thursday, and Saturdays from 8.30 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. Right. Uh, we, we hope to kick off on, on May the 3rd, I believe it is. I think that's, I think that's the, uh, the actual quick. date. Yeah, it's coming up real quick. And, and, and what about your podcast? How can someone listen to that? 
Oh, well, our podcast is every Wednesday, and we, we used to do it at 6. I've moved it to 7.30 to kind of better coordinate with the radio broadcast to get Amen. people used to the to a 7.30 time frame. But that podcast can be found on uh, www.lastchristian.net. Uh, you can also look up The Last Christian on just basically any of the uh, major uh, podcast platforms. And... Uh, it is a program which is designed to, to show how Scripture and world events are quickly coming together and to make people think that, you know, if you're not a Christian, think about it, you know, yeah, and, and uh, just look at it. Read the Bible. Go to Ezekiel 38. Go to Isaiah 17. Start looking and find uh, for yourself that things are happening very quickly at warp speed very I mean very very fast uh, uh, just as the Bible foretold amen amen and if someone wanted to get in touch with you to, to ask a question etc how can they do that how can someone get in touch with you and find out more information on all that you have going on they can write me directly and I'll I will I will respond to them directly my name uh, my email is JD Williams at lastchristian.net. Amen. Amen. I'll put all the down the show notes and the links to it all down the show notes below. Folks, it never ceases to amaze me how the Lord will take someone from the depths of despair, their life broken, seemingly going nowhere fast, and then use them for his glory once they come to realize. They can't do it on their own any longer. He'll do the same for you. I mean, I lived that life. Joel Williams lived that life. You've heard mm-hmm. others on this program sharing how they lived that life. And Joel and I are here to tell you, you don't have to go through the heartache and hardship to come to, to the place where the Lord can use you. All you have to do is seek his face, repent of your sins, and give your heart to Jesus. In fact, Joel, if someone's listening to us right now and is being moved in that direction, would you do the honor of leading them to the Lord's throne of grace and mercy right now? Oh, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Lord, please, please, I ask in your name that if someone out there is lost, wondering, confused, Father, speak to them. And to that individual, please, please see for see for yourself the the glory and the grace that can come from this great God. Father, you have given this nation nothing but the best, and this nation has turned its back on you, and I, I pray that you help to bring us back, yes. bring us back together again, and begin to live in, in your spirit. Father, please forgive this nation, and please, I ask in, for peace in the city of Jerusalem and in, and in Israel. Father, if this has helped in any way, I give you the glory because it is through you that I do what I do. And I hope, I pray that something I say might help someone out there. Amen. Father, thank you for this opportunity. And just help me to do everything that I can for the rest of my life to serve you. And I ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Folks, if you prayed that prayer with Joel Williams, reach out to him. Let him know. Use the links down below to get in touch with Joel, to listen to the podcast, and 
be sure to tune in to evangelismradio.com from 8.30 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday to be blessed by Joel Williams' podcast, The Last Christian Podcast. Amen? Just use the links down below. Joel, we're all out of time for today, man. Man, I got to get this clock fixed. I think it's running fast. (laughs) Joel Williams, myself, this past about reminding you again, be blessed in all that you do. You have been listening to Revelation Warning with Pastor Robert Thibodeau and his guest expert on Bible prophecy as it relates to current events. This podcast is not designed to invoke fear, but concern. Help us to make everyone aware that the soon return of Jesus is close at hand by clicking the like, subscribe, and then share buttons below. Share this episode with your loved ones, friends, and coworkers. For more information on our ministry, please visit podcasterforchrist.com and be sure to come back next week for another episode of Revelation Warning.